Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. everybody and welcome to the empowering industry podcast i am your host charlie matthews and like i say every week i am excited to be here i'm excited to bring you a guest uh, somebody cool that i've met out in the industry and just kind of learn from them uh so without further delay george if you will introduce yourself to our audience hi thanks charlie for having me on my name's george williams i'm the founder and ceo of reliability x and you have, so thanks for being here for one, uh, that title of founder and and all the things that we have to do. Uh, I know that very well. And so thank you for your time. But I, I do want to dive into how you got into the industry. And, th- you know, that may take us some time, but that's what we're here for. So how did you get started here? Uh, yeah, so um, I had great aspirations. You know, as a kid, I kind of always knew what I wanted to do. And so I wanted to be an electrical engineer really bad. Um, I went to a Votech high school in inner city Philadelphia, and I took electromechanical technology. Um, I actually had to take like extra math classes during my lunch because in order to, to get into Drexel University, I had to have classes that weren't normally offered at a Votech high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't really have lunches <laughs> and worked throughout the day. And ultimately, I was able to get into Drexel University, um, went to Drexel University for about a year and uh, had a kid. Mm-hmm. So it was the school hard knocks for me right after that. That's uh, a common story, George, that, that definitely happens. We all have like, you know, I, I the way I used to explain it to my wife <laughs> prior to her being my wife, we actually grew up across the street from each other, was that I was on a train, you know, I'm on a train track and, it, you know, you can't just move train tracks, you know, that they're going in a certain direction and that's how it is. And so for me, it was, it was, I've got a path and I'm going to follow that path. And life had whole different set of plans for me. Mm-hmm. So, so it hit me over a head, over the head with a bat and, and forced me into a different uh, trajectory. Uh, one that I don't regret in any way, shape or form. It made me who I am today, but it certainly made me go out into the world as a maintenance technician. So throughout high school in the week on the weekends, I, and during the summer, I worked at my father's place. He was a truck driver and a mechanic. And so I would do trailer PMs and rip engines apart and hone cylinders. And I was kind of a grease monkey. Uh, so I relied on those skills to get a, a job uh, at a pasta factory. Actually, I started out as an operator, ended up a maintenance uh, person. And then from there, moved on to um, uh, the, the Philadelphia Cricket Club it was a really old country club in Philadelphia. So we had to like run lines through stone and all kinds of craziness. And thank God my dogs are just going nuts. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, it's just today's world, right? <laughs> so, but you're um, so you're you're. I mean, you're really in it. I mean, these aren't easy jobs as far as maintenance goes. It sounds like you, you know, really did have to. Well, I, I wouldn't say learn on the job, but I think every one of them has to be different, right? All these different opportunities oh, yeah. are jobs. Yeah, that no you doubt. Have. I mean, I went from stripping engines down to fixing kitchen equipment, right? And so you learned a lot of different skills. You had to be an electrician. You had to be a carpenter and a painter and a glazer and all kinds of other skill sets. Um, but it really, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of room for advancement. And so, um, and so in 2000, in 2000, I took a, a 
job at a large pharmaceutical plant as a painter, actually, which was a $1 an hour pay cut, but got my foot in the door at a Fortune 100 company. Uh, and so I parlayed that and they invested in me and I took on roles um, with expanding expanding responsibility until ultimately I was responsible for reliability globally for that company. And I think that that's it. You know, you, you talked about kind of that path that you're on. You don't really know if it's going to, you know, you're going to learn all that you need to know in school or you're going to have to learn it on the job or even if you're going to have to change jobs to get to that next level. Like a lot of the times you do have to do that. And especially for companies that don't have the flexibility to let you kind of move around within their company. Um, but you get so much experience and, you know, I think about you and, you know, being able to see what you're doing before I actually met you. And, and I think that I still haven't met you in person. I think I've only met you virtually. Uh, but I really, during the work with, um, the maintenance community, I saw how you were just giving back to that community, uh, around knowledge. Did you always want to do that part? Kind of be that face out there? Um, I may, you know, I, the, the whole public image thing, maybe not, um, you know, much more reserved than that, but, but for me, it, giving back and teach, I love to teach. So I, you know, I, I teach an awful lot of courses either through the university of Wisconsin or directly with reliability X. And it's something I'm really passionate about. I also am a firm believer that you have to mentor the next generation or those that are seeking mentorship. You know, there's a there's some recipes to success that people write lots of books about. But for me, that recipe was a lot of hard work and determination and sprinkled in there working for an organization that invested in me having um, leadership and managers and bosses that coached and mentored me. And taught me, you know, to work on my soft skills, among many other things, um, because, it, you know, if you don't get all of those things, you you don't get, I guess, I don't end up where I'm at. Right. I mean, um, one manager's choice not to take a job away from, you know, working on the back of the trash truck, which is still admirable work. But, you know, there's a lot of luck and is sprinkled in with all that determination. It's not just because I'm passionate and I want it. It you also have to, you know, learn how to succeed and and navigate, you know, in large companies, the landmines of of the culture and the politics. And you have to learn the skills necessary to advance. And there's, you know, it's it's not a single recipe. And lots of folks take different paths and they're all admirable as long as they're trying to make tomorrow better than today, right? That's and great. for me, giving back is just part of, of who I am. I mean, it's, it's, I enjoy it because seeing someone else's growth gives me joy, right? It's, it's more selfish. Than well, it's, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. So I, I know that it is, it's definitely, I think we grow while we do that for sure in our own leadership, being able to serve. So we're so thankful that people allow us to, you know, kind of mentor them or, or kind of connect them with other people and resources because that helps us grow too, to be able to do that. So it's, it's a win-win there for sure. And it always brings me joy too, to kind of help develop people uh, and give them the resources. But you said, you talked a little bit about, you know, that person, you know, that helped you, that mentor, and you're, you're that, it, it's hard to do that for in the today's time, right? Like to sit down and have like, this is, I'm going to mentor you. Like, this is the program. You really can do that 
and mentor a lot more people just by being active, like you're, you're doing, like we're talking about sharing your knowledge, uh, through books or webinars or, um, you know, podcasts like we're on today. It's, it's necessary for leaders that have that experience, which, you know, uh, that knowledge gap and we're, we're terrified of losing all of that knowledge. And so being able to do this, uh, provides that next generation or even our current workforce, right. Uh, tools that they need to succeed on this busy track that we're on. I, I think the other piece, like, so your brand is empowering, right. And, and I love, I absolutely love it. When I try to explain empowering, I explain it that there's there's multi phases to that, right? So there's the the leadership telling you empowered, right? The quote unquote blessing of empowerment. You're empowered, you know. That's only one piece of it. The whole other side of that coin is you have to a accept the empowerment, b have the confidence to act on the empowerment, and c know that the organization is not going to punish you when you make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And the piece in the middle there, the the confidence to act on empowerment, there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of manufacturing plants in the U.S., you know, tens of thousands of universities and and facilities or related organizations. And in those organizations are lots of folks, whether they're in maintenance or engineering or in some other facet of, of our world, who are not quite sure if they can make an improvement because they either lack the confidence or they're not sure about the organizational culture's acceptance of that empowerment. Um, and if you talk to any one of the CEOs of any of those companies, they're going to say, my people are empowered, right? None of them are going to go, oh, no, I squelched the crap out of that stuff. Like they're all going to say their people are empowered. What we try to do in delivering content is hope that someone gets the confidence enough to make something better. And really that's, that's kind of what that boils down to for us. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, we always talk about empowering uh, the brand, right? It's giving people the power and authority to do something, but it's not us giving it. It's that they find it within themselves. It is so beautiful to watch too when that happens, right? That uh, Tintman engineer or or just a person that is unsure and you can just encourage them. And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I did that. You know, let me write down the things that I'm actually good at and I have accomplished. And, and that, stays with you. It stays with you in so many ways. And, and you're right. That is what we're, we're seeking our leaders to do. We, okay. we want all of us, we all can get better um, at understanding emotional intelligence or understanding our workforce, uh, looking for that person that, you know, may not be hitting the numbers like you want what's bothering them versus they're not, they're just not doing the job, but you know, what else is happening? Um, and Good I know, I mean, you know a lot about this in the uh, from the job, the work with reliability. Where's the root cause? What what's actually happening? Uh, you, I know you could go on for days in that direction as well, right? It, yeah, no doubt. It, you know, and and it's interesting what you say because oftentimes, like my organization comes in to uh, help a manufacturing plant improve performance, and they all think you're going to come in and fix the equipment, and it's never the equipment. It's I like extremely rare that it's the equipment. If it was the equipment, they call the OEMs in all the time and they reset things back to base condition. And, and, you know, two weeks later, it's, it's back to running like crap. So it's not, it, you know, and the same thing holds true for people. It's, it's not their technical skill sets that usually are holding them back. It's usually 
some other mental block or confidence issue, or they need support, or they had a really bad manager in the past, and they didn't have a good servant leader, you know, in the past. And for a, a servant leader, like that's our drug. Like that's that's what we're addicted to. We're addicted to seeing somebody own their own self and work and take the initiative, right? And to get them to that point is not always easy work, but it's rewarding work, right? When you see them at a tipping point, it's incredibly rewarding. Yeah. And and you're right about a couple of things, right? Like that choice that to to go find that within yourself. And it really is a choice and it takes work. It takes, you know, actions. Uh, we talk a lot about being intentional and that takes like, as you're doing the work, that's when it shows up. It's that courageousness that I'm doing this scared. I'm going to say, yeah. or I don't know how to do this. And actually I didn't, you know, I'm scared to tell you that I don't know how to do this. So I'm going to, you know, jump out there on faith that you're going to hear me and help me through this. Um, but those things aren't easy. Those it's easy for us to say now after we've done a little work in this department, but let's, let's tell them a little bit more about what you do. I know you said kind of going into the, the companies, but tell us about reliability X. Yeah. So reliability X is a consulting organization at its heart. And we focus on, we focus on the asset for the sake of the business, not for the sake of the asset. So uh, what does that mean? Well, the asset provides value to an organization. And what we're trying to do is unlock that value. And it's not so much around, well, what's the PM strategy and all the technical aspects of that, but how do we actually derive value from assets? And in manufacturing spaces, there's widgets, that's kind of cut and dry, but we focus on improving everything that is operational reliability. And what we mean by operational reliability is really that we focus on the value an asset provides to an organization, right? We we execute maintenance and reliability and asset management for the sake of the business, not the sake of the asset. And so oftentimes we derive that through people. So we focus on things like education, process, and everything that surrounds the asset, uh, as well as the maintenance strategy. And we do FMEA facilitation and all the typical consulting things on the asset management side of things. Uh, but strongly we focus on people and how they impact the, the how we get value out. So for example, things like procurement and, and, and how they're trying to save a penny, but creating box jams. And so we focus on educating folks specifically on how they impact the overall reliability of the organization. Cause reliability is not a, a machine thing. Reliability is a business goals thing. And so we focus on reliability from a business goals perspective and make sure that the assets, including the humans are derived, are getting that value um, for the business. The other piece that we focus on heavily is education. So we teach lots of courses online, virtually. Um, and we also have just released uh, Ramesh Gulati's Maintenance and Reliability Best Practices. It's an online self-paced uh, learning environment. So it's uh, 64 lessons over like 13 different modules. I mean, it takes forever to go through it, but it's 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 everything from his the context of his book, which is really a CMRP prep course, which is wonderful. Like what we were talking about in the beginning is this knowledge that is now captured in a place where people can find it and use it uh, for forever, really. I mean, um, I don't know what the technology is going to do next. Right. We never do. Uh, I still think about the VHS te tapes that I have. I'm like, what am I going to do with that? 
but there's, there is uh, tools that will help us continue as long as that story is told and it's, it's there for people. So I'm so glad that he's done that and that it's a resource for people now. And, you know, in this world where we do a lot of that personal development in our own time, this is going to be a really useful tool for people. Yeah. And, you know, Ramesh is just a phenomenal individual who, who just pours his heart out at giving and, and educating others. We were extremely lucky to be able to onboard him as part of Reliability X, being such a young company. But our our entire mission surrounding Ramesh is to leave his legacy for others to find and and to be able to take advantage of and empower them. Um, and so, you know, Ramesh is not a client facing consultant for us. He is he is the the person whose role it is is to create his own legacy and 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 put that out for people to absorb put into their own context and utilize to gain their own, their own, uh, their own path. Uh, and see, that is just, it's a testament to developing people and, and also like letting them use their strengths and their gifts, um, to work with you. And I think you do that. And I've only known you a short time. Like I said, you know, I, I um, I think every time that I talk to you, it's, it's that same energy though. And so it's, it's wonderful to see that, those pieces line up and that's, that's what we need for companies to do, right? The piece, pieces of communication with the education, with the equipment or whatever other assets there are that we have to look at, um, collaborate, have a conversation, right. And, and listen and kind of learn who these people are, um, and what their struggles are. And, and that is the whole about the people. So I, I think it's great that your background, uh, allows you to know, all the behind the scenes, the people that are out there doing the work, you've done the work, um, stepping into a role um, of founding your own company. Like that's a whole nother level of, and group of people that you can influence and, and help, um, you know, kind of take their next step. Um, and it's just inspiring because I know so many people in this industry struggle with, I know what the solution is, but I can't either voice it to the management or they don't hear what I'm saying correctly. Have you, have you seen any changes like positive changes out there as, as you're doing the work? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but, but you from can. A client I'll do it for you. <laughs> from a client perspective, uh, you know, we're seeing significant changes. Uh, you know, we focus on the culture. We have a client now who brought in multiple consultants and put us kind of head to head, evaluate our current program, tell us what we're doing wrong. And they're one of the companies that go to these conferences regularly and present. And so pretty much everyone that came in front of them said, you guys are doing great. We think we can tweak this. We think you can tweak that. And we went in and said, you're terrible. You're absolutely atrocious. I can't believe you go out and present in public. <laughs> and, and they said, thank you. And they said, thank you. Yeah. And it wasn't so much what that group was doing. It was the lack of that being broad enough across the organization to truly to truly have exponential value and the opportunity for that exponential value and to empower the entire group, not to keep using your, your brand, but it's the truth to empower the entire shop floor to make a difference. And so they were kind of missing that piece. Right. And now we've got, we we're our job now is pretty much yank on the reins to slow them down because they're going to move faster than the culture can move. Mm -hmm. And if you move faster than the culture can move, you fail. 
And so they all want it so bad. They're salivating and chomping at the bit. And, and our job is to yank on the reins and, and slow them down. But, but they're doing amazing, amazing things. Oh, I love that lesson. Uh, it's one that I had to learn the hard way, but that visionary in me, um, it was Barbara with change intelligence. Uh, Barbara Trotline is her is author's name. And, and she was one of our speakers. And she said, you know, you, you either lead with your head, your heart or your hands. And I always thought, you know, I lead with my heart. I love people, I, you know, but it was my head, my vision and, and you run off and leave everybody. And that's what she said. I was like, Oh, that's exactly what I did. You know, I was telling people that they should use social media without like explaining to them the why and why it's important and how it can benefit their business and in a you know nice little process, linear process that they could understand. You know, there was there's so much to that. And I, I'm glad that they have that. I'm glad that you have that knowledge too of uh, of seeing it, right? Don't run off and leave the community um in your and I think that's also like just in a business, any decision, right? That you don't want to just say this is where we are and not explain it. And and that's just that education part, right? That's so key to everything, right? I mean, it, it, you, that's what change management's all about. That's what um, that's what cultural evolution. Like we don't we don't use the term change. We don't we're not into change culture. We have to evolve people, and as you evolve people, the culture will evolve as well. And so we, we don't come in and say, we're going to, you know, we need to change the culture. That's something that's taboo for us inside the company, because that's not what we're, are, we're trying to do. And when you, when you charge ahead, you're trying to pull everybody into a position without being comfortable yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, you can fail miserably um, doing that. And I know that firsthand. I mean, that's, that's how you learn those things. That's right. That's right. Guilty as charged myself. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I just, George, I wanted to have you on here because I, I do, I respect what you're doing out there in the industry. I am curious about, you know, and I always kind of do this little rapid fire, but just a, what if, what is some advice that you received uh, kind of in your career? What is the best advice that you've ever received? Uh, the best advice I ever received was uh, someone handing me a post-it note that said, what is your goal? And telling me to put it on my monitor. Wow. Y'all take um, that in. Y'all take that in. Because I was notorious for writing scathing emails, putting people in their hole <laughs> and showing them how right I was. But none of that ever achieved what I was trying to achieve in terms of my goals. If I needed somebody in alignment with me to get something moving forward and they were not in alignment with me, I would write scathing emails to show them how right I was. Mm-hmm. That did not create any alignment whatsoever or get me to my goal. And so for uh, the better part of 12 years, that same post-it note went through multiple laptops and multiple monitors and and just said, what is your goal? And I would write emails and look at it and get mad at myself and delete the email and rewrite it. I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm going to make you shift gears a little bit. Uh, what is your favorite book? Oh, wow. Um, Ramesh Galati's Maintenance and Reliability Best Practice. That was easy, easy, easy. Um, I'll let you. I'll let you take it. Uh, this one's hard too. Uh, favorite music or band? Oh wow, um, there's so many of those. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tool. Okay. I love Tool. Seen them in, in concert, and it, like they're just amazing musically. They're just an amazing band. Uh, I'm a metalhead at heart, so uh, so. Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, okay. So you've told us the advice that you've received. What would you say to somebody kind of new coming in? What advice would you give them? 
absorb everything the community throws at you. What's interesting is that you had alluded earlier that people are kind of afraid to ask if they don't know. And what I have found, whether, you know, you you had mentioned the maintenance community earlier, but there's lots of other organizations, whether it's um, Reliability Web and Mobius and SMRP and all the other entities that you would consider their own community, I guess. Um, they all have a lot to offer. Don't restrict yourself and absorb whatever they're throwing out there from content. Listen to podcasts like this one and many others and, and absorb all that you can because what's interesting about our community is it's so open. Like I've never run into somebody where you ask for advice and they go, Oh, get out of here. Like you're a competitor like that. It just doesn't happen. And, and you may not realize that if you're afraid to go look behind the curtain, so to speak. So um, don't be afraid to, to approach folks on LinkedIn. It's amazing how open folks are. I mean, you know, like, you and I have had conversations because I've reached out and said, help, I'm drowning, you know? And so. Uh, <laughs> it, I, th- like, I think that's a great, I mean, honestly, it's a great conversation uh, on how, how you can connect with people like outside of your space. Right. Um, I'm just a, I'm just an entrepreneur. Like I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. I had to like, look that up. We used small business owner when I was in college, but there are so many pieces of that. And we feel that. And it's a lot of the times you just need somebody to talk to. You just need to be able to like, like, okay, I get it. And that is, as it, you know, that's the connection that needs to be made. And, 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 uh, we align perfectly uh, also. And it wasn't just you and me, there were other people like, you need to know them. You need to know them. So, yeah. um, that is, that's a, I think that if you look at that, George, it's, it's a benefit that we offer other people to show them that there are resources out there at any level. And, for if anything with empowering my brands, um, I was looking for, you know, I was at the top of my game and my, you know, I was, I was running my company, but I needed help too. And I want leaders to have that. I won't want you to feel alone at the top. I think that's silly. Like we, we're not meant to be alone. So it does feel that way. We know it, but we can share that too, so that it's not so alone up there. And that's at every level, right? So when I, when I first graduated high school and went to college, you know, I grew up in the inner city. I was taking public transportation to middle school and 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 high school, and no one I knew went to college. And I went to college, and and I was the person taking public transportation. I didn't have a dorm. I didn't, and I would come back to a house where nobody went to college. Mm-hmm. Nobody could help me. I had no one to talk to, and I felt like I was alone. And I didn't do as well as as I could have. And I, I didn't know there was a community I could connect to and people I could talk to. And you didn't just have to go home right away. You could have, you know, hung out with like-minded folks and and learned a lot more. That doesn't change as you progress in your career. If you don't seek out the opportunities and ask questions, then you're not going to get any of the benefit from the community, right? And And if you, you know, as hard as it is for some folks, and I recognize that, you know, it, even if it's like, start with your number one connections and see if they know somebody that you can talk to or should talk to. And maybe that's a second or a third connection. And, and ultimately you can, can kind of crack that door open and, and get some conversations going and, and be a, um, you don't necessarily have to be an active um, delivery mechanism in the community, but it's okay to absorb. That's what the community exists for. Some of them are contributors and some of them are absorbing. 
uh, and some absorbers become contributors and, and that's just the way it goes. But I think the initial fear stops so many. And for me, it was, you know, not that I, I mean, I had kid and had to drop out, but I, my grades weren't anywhere near where I thought they would be. And in large part, it was because there was no community around me. Mm-hmm. Your success is going to be directly t- tied to who you surround yourself with and who you're talking to. And uh, don't be afraid of that. Yeah. And, and just to, for encouragement to everyone, like you can rewrite that story, right? If you've ever felt alone, if you've ever felt like, you know, you had to do it all yourself and all of that, like you get to rewrite that story by, you know, finding a new way, finding those new connections. And, you know, it does take time to kind of shift your mind away from it, but we are examples that that can be done. Uh, George, thank you so much for your time today. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? You can reach me at george.williams at reliabilityx.com. Connect to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Um, or you can send an email to ask at reliabilityx.com. You can dial 877-RLBLTYX. There's smoke signal. I don't care. Just make sure you connect. I love it. I love it. And I love that it was asked. So just make that ask, y'all. Uh, thanks, George. It was a pleasure. Hey, awesome. and everybody uh, that I'm supposed to talk to, I forget this sometimes, um, that this is the end of the podcast. And y'all make sure that you subscribe, that you share this. I definitely know a lot of people that would uh, get value out of this episode. So please share it with your network. And I want to just say, um, if you haven't done this yet, go ahead and subscribe to the Empowering Pumps and Equipment uh, newsletter. We send out all types of maintenance and reliability, uh, troubleshooting articles, what's happening, um, and a lot from our manufacturers and partners as well. So take a look at that if you haven't done that and subscribe. What else can I say? Hmm. Until next time, be empowering. Be empowering.